Amen. Thank you, choir. Our scripture lesson for today comes from the book of Joshua. Joshua 4, verses 1 through 11. And as we listen to the scripture being read, this scripture is a reminder of the faithfulness of God. Beginning with verse 1 to verse 11. Now when all the nations had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Take for yourselves twelve men from the people, one man from each tribe, and command them, saying, Take up yourselves twelve stones from here out of the middle of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet are standing firm, and carry them over with you, and lay them down in the lodging place where you will lodge tonight. <clears throat> so Joshua called the twelve men whom he had appointed from the sons of Israel, one man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Cross again to the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan, and each of you take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Israel. Let this be a sign among you, so that when your children ask later, saying, What do these stones mean to you? Then you will say to them, because the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the, the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall become a memorial to the sons of Israel forever. Thus the sons of Israel did as Joshua commanded and took up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, just as the Lord spoke to Joshua, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Israel, and they carried them over with them, to the lodging place and put them down there. Then Joshua set up twelve stones in the middle of the Jordan at the place where the feet of the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant were standing. And they are there to this day. For the people who carried the Ark were standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything was completed that the Lord had commanded Joshua to speak to the people. According to all that Moses had commanded Joshua, and the people hurried and crossed. And when all the people had finished crossing, the ark of the Lord and the priests crossed before the people. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's go to God in prayer. God is praying that the words that I share today will be your words, that you will speak through me, and that as you do so, we'll hear your words, apply them to our heart, and remember the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Tomorrow we remember Memorial Day. It's a day in the life of our country that we give God thanks and praise for those people who served the military, those individuals who gave up their lives that they might be able to serve faithfully, that we in turn would be able to experience the freedoms that we have in our country today. I want to tell you of one such hero. His name was Uncle John Briggs my dad's oldest brother. He was two years older than my brother. He enlisted during World War II, and at that point, he went into the Army overseas. He was a bombardier. It was February 1944, and in that, he was doing a bombing mission, and as he was doing his job, he was shot down. And from that, he lost his life and is buried in France. So I'm very thankful for my uncle, for what he did for you, for me, for countless others. We mustn't forget what they've done 
We're thankful for each person. And for those of you that have had loved ones in your family to die in the service, we pray for you. We ask God's comfort upon you and your family. You know, there's another reason why I'm thankful for my Uncle John. You see, he did something great for our family besides the sacrifice, which I'm not trying to uh, undermine here. But as I share the story, it's a story that I think you'll find rather humorous. You see, my grandfather, his last name was Hamburger. He was a German. And my grandparents, they divorced when my dad was eight years old. And so when my Uncle John was going in the military, he thought it would be good for the, the name Hamburger to be changed. But they needed a more British-sounding name. So when my dad was a senior in high school, the family name was changed by my uncle from Hamburger to my grandmother's main name, which is Briggs. So I'm here to tell you, if my uncle had not done that, I'd be Ed Hamburger. <laughs> Can you believe that? Oh, listen, it gets better. I was telling Jenny this story when we were dating, and uh, she said to me, you know what? If your name was Hamburger, we'd be really good friends in this relationship but not go into marriage at all. <laughs> and then, this is even more hilarious, my uh, father was dating someone as a junior in high school. They were very serious, thought they were going to get married. Her name was Marianne, and Marianne said, no, I can't marry you. Your last name was Hamburger. I wouldn't marry anybody whose name was Hamburger. So as it turns out, they break up, and my dad's name is changed to Briggs when he's a senior. And then Marianne goes off to so her whatever's, and come to find out she married somebody else. And guess what his last name was? Pickles. So she went from, <laughs> this, is, I, this is true. So she went from the hamburger to pickles. Go figure. Crazy. Huh. Our scripture for today, we're going to be remembering the faithfulness of God. You see, the faithfulness of God was commemorated by the priest of the story of what we have for today of Joshua. I want to give you a little bit of background for our scripture. You see, Moses and Israelites, they had been wandering for 40 years. Now that is a long period of time to wander. At this point, Moses had died, and Joshua was at the helm. Joshua had been an apprentice of Moses. And as he was there, he was leading the Israelites to the Promised Land. And there they are, camped on the edge of the river Jordan, looking into the promised land. But the problem was the river Jordan was full with water. It rained and it was quite dangerous for them to cross. Don't you wonder about those Israelites if possibly they were questioning and doubting or maybe having some anticipation of fear, like how are we going to cross this water? What are we going to do? Well, as it turns out, God had a plan. And God spoke to Joshua. He said, Joshua, what I want you to do, I want you to take the Ark of the Covenant, have the high priest to do so, march it into the middle of the River Jordan, and as you do so with those priests, the water is going to subside. And as the water subsides, the people will be able to walk around them to get to the other side. So that's indeed what Joshua ordered. The priests did so. Can you imagine being one of those priests and then putting your foot in the water and going, okay, is this going to work? And sure enough, it did. They put their foot in the water and they walked forward. The water subsided and the people walked by. Um, what's so interesting, as we look at the Ark of the Covenant, it's important to remember what was in that covenant. What was in that box? We know it is, or was, the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments of God. 
as well as a jar of manna and a staff of the high priest Aaron, which symbolized the high priest and the power the high priest had. So the people had the presence of God right there in the ark to remind them that God was faithful. He was going to see them through as they marched through the water. But what I find interesting is the scripture says they went in haste. Hello, would you not go in haste as well? I'd be like, excuse me, pardon me, coming through, coming through. Be a little bit concerned about the fact that the water might come back in on me. Oh, where is my faith? But in that, as they crossed the River Jordan, God said to Joshua that he wanted Joshua to do something else. To have the 12 tribes, one person from each tribe, to take a stone. And they were to take a stone and place that stone in a monument in the middle of the River Jordan, as well as on the other side in the Promised Land, so people might be able to see that indeed God was God and God was faithful. God saw them through the River Jordan. God was a God of miracles. Indeed, that's what they did. They placed those stones in place. And from that, it was a reminder of who, what, who God is and what God did. And for that, the people this, this day remember the faithfulness of God. So let's ask ourselves this question. Why was it important for the Israelites to remember? It was really important. Why? Because you see, the Israelites, they had a little memory problem. If you recall the story of them leaving Egypt and going to the Promised Land, well, things were fine, fine and dandy for a short period of time, but, but it didn't take long for them to go, I'm thirsty, I'm hungry, I'm tired. Sound like children, right? Well, I might have been the same way. I can complain sometimes, just ask my wife. But uh, in that truth is that God continued to take care of them. There were consequences for them doubting and, and not having faith. But even as they moved forward, they saw the promised land. And then Joshua and Caleb, they were spies. They went into the unknown land to see how things were. They came back to report, oh my goodness, y'all are not going to believe this. But there's giants here. And these giants, they're huge. They're, they're very intimidating. But Joshua and Caleb said, no, I think we can lick them. We're going to go in there and we're going to beat them. And from that, we're going to be just fine. Well, the people wouldn't stand up. They were so afraid. They didn't want to go into the promised land. And so because of their lack of faith and following God's lead, they had to wander in the wilderness for 40 long years. But you know what's interesting, though, as we read Joshua 23, 14, it reads like this. You know all your heart and soul, not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. You see, God had promised the people of Israel a mighty nation. Promised them through who? Father Abraham. Father Abraham was the one that God made a covenant to. And as God made this covenant to Abraham, he said, I am going to bless you with descendants. I am going to bless you with a mighty nation. Your people will be my chosen people. Well, see, the people of Israel, they need to remember that truth. The promises to Abraham would be continued on through them, even though they were unfaithful to God at times. So I want us to ponder this in our own lives. How do you think this helped? This reminder of the stone to these people other than their memory problems. I think it also helped them to empower them to move forward. To be able to go into the promised land. Because the promised land, yes, it was flowing with milk and honey. But there was some vinegar there too. You see, they were Canaanites. Unfriendly people that were not going to give up without a fight. So they needed a mind of God's faithfulness as they look at the stone, that God was going to be with them to help them as they faced what they were facing. I wonder about our own lives, about how we might be anticipating something. It might be something really great. 
but in that there might be a little bit of trepidation, maybe some anxiety or fear that you might have. For instance, maybe you're newly married and you're just wondering, gosh, this is great, but I'm just wondering how we're going to be able to handle conflict. Or possibly your firstborn child, and you're like, wow, what do I do next? This is great, but whoo, this child, I'm not sure if I can handle this. Or a new job. It's great that you have a new job, but then there's concerns about what that job will look like and, and will you be up to snuff. Or possibly on a more serious note, your son or daughter or, or grandson, granddaughter has gone to rehab, which, which is a good thing, but then there's that wondering, will that last? Will that really help him or her break the addiction? Or you have aging parents that have moved here and you're like, I'm glad to have you here close by. This is such a good thing, but I'm concerned about their health and where their health might bring them. There is so much wonderings that can go on in our lives as we anticipate the future, as we go towards the, the promised land. But in that, I know that as we're facing our willingness, the faithfulness of God is so with us. You see, we need a reminder every now and then. I know I do of God's faithfulness in the wilderness where I might be, going to the promised land. And as I do, I'm pointed to what? The cross. You see, the cross is a symbol to us of what Jesus has done, that Jesus died for all our sins, that we might be forgiven. Not forgiven just for the sake of salvation. Yes, that's wonderful. But also the presence of Jesus in us to give us power over evil and darkness. You see, I'm here to tell you the presence of grace in us that resurrected Jesus from the victory over the cross is what empowers us to be able to move forward into the promised land. And that is good news for you and me. Philippians 4.13 reads, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. I'm going to share a story, a story about the Prime Minister of Poland during the early 1980s. It was Communist Poland at that time. And he passed a law that there would be no crosses allowed anywhere in any kind of institution, be it a school, a hospital, a factory, wherever it was not allowed. But then some Catholic bishops began to complain, and from that, they relented the law somewhat. And then there was this one school administrator who was, I guess, the Pharisees of the Communist Party. He said, you know what, under my watch, there's not going to be any crosses in the school where I am. So he ordered the seven large crosses in the administrative area where they had assemblies to be taken down. And so from that, the parents were, were enraged. They got upset. And so they took those seven crosses and put them back. But what happened? The administrator had those crosses taken down. And from that, the students began to rebel. Two-thirds of the students' congregation right there, they went into the, the school. And as they were in the school, they had a sit-in, and they waited, they waited patiently. And then the, the military showed up, very intimidating. And so the students, they left the school, and what were they doing? They were holding a cross. And as they were holding a cross, they marched to a local church. And as they were there in that local church, other people joined them, parishioners as well as people from the area of the community. And when they were there gathered together, they were lifting the cross high. A picture was taken of them with the cross held high and the military surrounding the church. And what did the priest preach on? He said to them, there is no Poland without the cross. You see, they knew the power of the cross. The power of the cross was going to see them where they were to where God would have them to be. 
And you know where God will have us to be? And that's the promised land. The land of his joy and peace. The circumstance may not be taken away, but what changes in our hearts, our hearts are changed because we know that, that the cross in us of Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, is the one who gives us what we need. That peace, the comfort, the grace, that's something for you and I to hold fast to. And I don't want us to, to waste the pain. This is a side note here. We can waste the pain of where we are if we don't look to the cross. You see, it's easy for us to get all upset and, and take our eyes off the cross. But Jesus said, look the cross. Look at what I'm doing in your life. I am present with you. I'm going to see you through these hard times. I'm going to be the reminder of grace that I will be present to walk you through, to lead you into a deeper relationship with me, that you might see more clearly who I am and how much I love you. And so when you do, you will experience me on a much deeper level, a level that is so wonderful for us to have. And as we are in this time of the cross, and as the cross is reminding us of who this Jesus is and what Jesus has done and will continue to do, God puts people in our lives in the process. I'm here to tell you that God puts people in our lives to point us to the cross. And I am one who has indeed experienced that myself. But this is not about me. I want you to think about people in your life, people who have pointed you to the cross, people who have walked alongside of you like Joshua, that led you through the wilderness to the promised land of peace, the path of all understanding. Think about who that person is. I know you can think of people. I would have a moment here to have a pastoral care plug. It's a shameless plug. I'm a minister of pastoral care, so I have a moment to be able to toot the horn of pastoral care. And I do so, why? Because I know the difference that caregivers make in people's lives. I know some of you have had a caregiver in our church. It could be through grief share, divorce care, maybe one of our recovery groups, or possibly Stephen Ministers. Stephen Ministers have been through 50 hours of training as distinctly Christian caregivers. So with that, they're there to walk with you one-on-one. -on -one. I'm telling you, I've heard reports from various people that have had support from this congregation, and in that, they have been so blessed. They have said, you know what? These people have pointed me to the cross of Jesus. They've helped me to see who this Jesus is and how Jesus is the one who's walked me through and has led me to the promised land of his peace that passes all understanding. And for that, we can give God thanks and praise for what God is doing in the lives of our fellow parishioners as well as people in our church. If you come to my office, you'll see I have a Duke rocking chair. And that rocking chair is very special to me. Why? Because it's a chair that reminds me of faithful people, of people that point me to the cross of Jesus. And as I look at that chair, I'm reminded of the people of First United Methodist Church in Hendersonville. You see, they walk with me through so much. They gave me the chair as I was getting ready to leave, a, a gift, a, a thank you. I'm very appreciative for that. But that chair says to me, remember, Ed, what that congregation did for you. You may have some sort of object in your life that reminds you of that faithful person other than the cross. But this chair reminds me of where they were. They saw me through the sadness of the loss of my wife, Brenda. But then along with that, they celebrated the good news that I met somebody else. I fell in love again. And from that, they were so excited. In fact, when they found out that I was engaged and getting married, they threw us a party. 
And then, unbeknownst to me, couldn't believe it, on the day of her wedding, Jenny and I got married in Smyrna, Georgia. Georgia. She's from Atlanta. And as we were getting ready to go into the sanctuary, there's this big bus that pulls up. I'm not talking about like a little tiny 17 passenger bus. We're talking like Greyhound size. And this bus was filled with people from that church. People from that church that want to say, you know what? We celebrate what God has done in your life. We celebrate the healing that you've experienced. Praise God. We're behind you. And don't forget the cross. Don't forget the grace of God that has brought you to where you are today, to the promised land of his peace and joy. Praise God. And I praise God for those people and what they meant to me and, and how they indeed pointed me to Jesus. You know, we can indeed remember the faithfulness of God. It's just a matter of allowing the Holy Spirit to remind us of that faithfulness. Last Sunday was Pentecost Sunday. And it was on Pentecost Sunday that we emphasized what? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit living in and through us to remind us of who? The faithfulness of God through Jesus. Pointing us to who, who this Jesus is and, and what this Jesus can and will do in our lives as we are where we are, as we wait to cross over into the promised land. Indeed, this is important. Open our lives to the Spirit, to trust and abide in the Spirit, to allow the Spirit to move us to that remembrance. But as we do, so as we remember the faithfulness of God, as we look to the cross, as, as God has placed people in our lives to be there for us, to point us to him, we must remember that what we have experienced is we passed on. The Israelites, they passed on their story. They told the story of the River Jordan. They pointed the children to the, the monument that was built, these rocks. So you know what? We need to do the same for our children, grandchildren, nieces and nephews, and tell them, you know what? This God has done something pretty mighty. I want you to look at the cross. I want you to look at the cross of what Jesus has done. He loves you so much. And as you experience this great love, there's forgiveness for your sins. But there's life and life in you everlasting that will bring to you the promised land of his joy and peace. But how do we do that? How do we remind them of who this Jesus is? We remind them with words. We say to them words that will lift their spirits and point them straight to Jesus. It's not always our actions, but our, it's, it's always our words, I think, indeed speaks to them and moves them to where they are today or maybe in the future. We remind them of the cross, yes. We point them to people like Joshua's in their lives. Joshua or Josephine, whomever the person might be, to point them to Jesus, Jesus who leads them to the cross that gives them the hope that they need, the promise from where they are to where they will be. And then finally, through our acts, we, we love them to Jesus. We help them to see who this Jesus is as we relate to them. You see, if we relate to them in a way that is very loving and nurturing and walking in the Spirit, that indeed touches their lives. But you know what's something else, people? When we trust in Jesus during a difficult time in our life, when they see heartache come our way, when they see us in the wilderness, and we choose to do what? Point ourselves to the cross. Remember the cross of Jesus. We put our faith and trust in the cross of Jesus. And from that resurrected power of the cross in through us, we indeed make a witness that we have the faith that moves us forward. And that in fact, the children will witness that and hopefully they'll take that in their hearts and know that they too, when they face challenging times, can, can go to Jesus as we have done so in our lives. This is something we must continue to do. And as we do, to walk in the Spirit. Because as you walk in the Spirit, as the Spirit works in you and me, they will indeed see Jesus again. That Spirit walk 
and from that children will be touched, lives changed, seeds planted, and who knows how those seeds will come to fruition. We just trust God for those seeds that he will bring them to fruition in our lives. Jenny and I, we have a grandchild named Cora. She's really my great niece, but because of the death of her grandparents, my brother and his, his wife, we felt very much called by God to take this little granddaughter into our hearts to care for her as we were her grandparents. And we have since she was a young baby after her grandmother died. So from this, Cora is very dear to us. And she's someone that we'd love to be with, but we can't. She lives with her mother and stepfather in Colorado. And in the summer times and some holidays, she comes to see her dad and stepmother in Columbia, South Carolina. And when she's able to come see us, it's important that we're able to share Jesus with her, to point her to the cross. Why? Because you see, Cora does not live in a Christian home. Her mother and stepfather are ardent atheists, and so they have no talk of God in their home. So it is our prayer that when we are with Cora, that we are pointing her to Jesus somehow, way, remind her of the faithfulness of God. You see, when we remind the faithfulness of God, I'm here to tell you, I believe. I believe the seeds of God are planted inside of her and that faith is going to well up one day where she will accept Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. I look forward to that day. I look forward to that day. So I encourage you. I encourage you to pray. To pray for your children. To remember that God is real. It's the cross that is so strong in our lives. And as we hold fast the cross, as we share the good news of grace, as we point them to the cross and also to other people, they will experience him in a rich and wonderful way, remembering who this Jesus is so that they might be able to pass on the good news to other people, to their children and grandchildren. One last story here. This is from the movie Schindler's List. This is a phenomenal movie. I don't know if you've seen this movie or not, but it was a movie pr produced by Steven Spielberg. A movie that, wow, is just so thought-provoking but very disturbing. A movie about the Holocaust. The Holocaust, where the Germans exterminated the Jews. It was 1939, Oskar Schindler. What did he do? He decided to make his fortune. He opened a factory. And in this factory, he employed Jews, over a thousand Jews. And it's because of the employment of these Jews that he protected them from being shipped off to a concentration camp. These Jews were saved and very thankful for this Oskar Schindler and what he'd done. I'm going to spoil this for you, but if you haven't seen the movie, here it comes. The last scene is most powerful. The reason why it's most powerful is because you see that Oscar Schindler's grave is there in the ground, a marble slab with his name on it. And these various Jewish survivors from the factory, they come with their children. They take a stone. A stone is a remembrance, because that's tradition for Jewish people, to remember with a stone. And they place a stone on his grave as what? as a remembrance of what Oscar Schindler did. That he indeed was the one who brought them freedom, freedom from death. Indeed, doesn't Jesus do the same thing? As we say today, we're pointing ourselves to the cross to what Jesus has done. And as we experience the grace of Jesus, we indeed know that Jesus has people in our lives in the process to point us back to the cross. And as we do so, then we share that with our family around us. And the memories go on and on and on. And that's indeed what God wants, right? For the memories of who he is and what he has done to continue in this life and life ahead in the years. So it's my prayer that today, 
Today will be the day that we remember the faithfulness of God. And as we remember the faithfulness of God, our hearts will be touched and moved. And from that, move forward in faith, knowing the cross will continue to be the cross, the cross of grace. And in that grace, we can claim it, live it out, share it, and love it. Pray that as we are about this day to remember that truth. This is good truth, the truth that will set us free. Amen. Let us pray. God, thank you so much indeed for the truth of your word, how the cross is what we remember today, of what the cross means for us. As you were so faithful to the people of Israel, you'll be so faithful to us too. It may not feel like that at times, but God, you will see us through to the promised land of your peace that passes all understanding. And in that we will experience you, you'll point people in our path to lead us to the cross. And then from that, you want us to share that experience with our family, that our children and grandchildren remember the truth of who this Jesus is, how we plant those seeds. Lord, use us as you will in the lives of others. How we, wish, we want to be the hands and feet of Jesus to the world around us. Show us how we might be able to do so, helping people to see who you are, that you are faithful. It is indeed that great faithfulness we'll be singing about in just a minute. For great is your faithfulness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to encourage you to come to the altar during our time of our last hymn for prayer, for giving God thanks for his faithfulness, or maybe a prayer of God, I need your faithfulness. And if you feel comfortable to do that, do that in the pew.